Many times we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. In order to feel better about ourselves and live the life we really want to manifest, we have to own up to our difficult feelings and self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. We all enter this world naked, and now it's time to feel good naked. No matter what your body size or your life circumstances, this is Feel Good Naked Radio, and your host is Lar Redmond. On this program, Lar will help you become more embodied, self-empowered, and mindful to take charge of whom you really are and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond. Welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and I am so excited about my guest today. Um, we've got Ashley Rowland and Jamie Hampton in the house, the most creative two humans I've ever known in my life who are the innovators of Body Vox Dance Center here in Portland, Oregon, going into its 20th season of incredible performances. And their bios individually are enough to fill up the hour. So what I wanted to do instead of going heavily on their individual bios in the very beginning here is just to say that when you create something that attracts audiences from wide and far, and you continue to do so. After 20 years, they've worked together creatively for 30 years, but the center in Portland defines creativity, dance, humor, performances that are both publicly given out, and also when classes are offered at the center, people come to take them. It's an incredible place, And I'm honored to have them on today to talk about embodiment and to also tell you about their new show that will open their 20th season in Portland, Oregon. But more important is to say, welcome to the show, Jamie and Ashley. Thanks, Lar. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I started by not telling everybody that you're also married. You're also a couple beyond your creative center that you brought to the public and created out of your own hearts. I wanted to just start by asking each of you, and I know you're not in the same room, and I wanted to see where you'd both go with just the notion of what embodied means to you. And you can take turns. You can say, hey, I'm going first. You decide. But I want to hear where you go when I say the (laughs) word embodied. Yeah, see, we're not in the same room, so normally we look at each other and then we get <laughs> little eye movements, which says, I'm going to go or you're going to go. So we, we don't have that uh, capacity. Um, but, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting word because it's, it's not that it's vague, but it, 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 there is a multiplicity of possible uh, answers. The the easiest one or the one that comes to mind the quickest is just that I think that what Ashley and I have tried to do is to, through our work, uh, embodied a, a kind of embody a kind of grace and generosity uh, over these over these last years, um, these last twenty, and certainly leading up to it, <clears throat> BodyVox was the most recent and longest running chapter of our of our lives creatively which has been intertwined for pushing 35 years now and uh sometimes those chapters have been tumultuous sometimes they've been uh joyful sometimes uh dark and dreary um oh my gosh <laughs> but but more than anything, over the last twenty years, BodyVox has been an absolute joy. And I think that what we did prior to that is we 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 burned a lot of karma and worked a lot of stuff out prior to that, <laughs> so that it enabled us when we finally created BodyVox to just have BodyVox embody the best of what we thought art ought to be in the process of making art. Anyway, that was a long answer, but that's I stand by it. Oh, I loved it. Where do you go with it, Ash? Well, the word embodied is just kind of confusing to me. I think as a dancer, I think everything I do is embodied because I'm a physical person, you know. If um, if I was ever in a situation where someone would say, well, how are you doing? I think a lot of people might answer by saying, oh, you know, I'm a little sad or whatever. I might turn around and say, gosh, my toe hurts because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm always thinking about things through a physical form. Um, but I do agree with what Jamie says. When we when we put together a show or when we put together a piece, um, 
what comes to mind is more than just movement. Um, it's, it's an opportunity for us to put spirit, emotion, and theater into the body. So making a piece of, or a dance is, is a much more holistic act than just putting together choreography. And, um, I would say that it's one of the great strengths of Body Box is that beyond choreography, we, we make a theatrical show. So that's what well, embodiment means to me. Well, that's the longevity piece, too, because the reason I ask what embodied means to each of you is that we're all three using our bodies as dancers. And yet I have learned in my mid-50s that embodied is as much about my mental, emotional, spiritual self as much as my physical self. And they all are ultimately inseparable. So with all of the innovation that you bring to the world, both of you, there's the center that you've developed where, and and your program says it well, it says since its founding in 1997, BodyVox has become America's most innovative dance company, a rare ensemble with a distinctive approach that is theatrical, rich in imagery, and unabashedly entertaining. BodyVox is dedicated to the creation and performance of original dance works that inspire and uplift audiences around the world. And I don't think you can do that just physically, you know, to to create that kind of performance, to create that kind of environment. You are actually translating a language that goes beyond the the body, the physical body. And, And part of what I find so interesting about the word embodied is it really isn't just physical. And and you can only know that, I think, with the march of time, or as Jamie said, the when you burn a lot of karma, you start to realize how many things go together within the frame of the skin and the form of the body. But certainly when you watch this company called Body Vox Dance, you're, you're feeling stuff. You know, you're, you're feeling emotions. You're feeling energy and thoughts. And it's coming through this physical form you're watching, but it's, it's hitting all these different levels. Funny, when you say the name in that context, then it makes the name sound even more informative. It's really quite, quite basic. We, we always just felt like we were going to use our bodies to speak with, and, and, and that's what it meant. It was the voice of the body, but when you put it in, in that term, it, it's like, well, everybody, everybody is striving for the same thing, and, and, and we're, we're, we're in our bodies, but our imaginations and our souls are so much larger than, than our body, and yet here is our body. It's like a filter. I always think of my body as a filter that tastes and smells and feels and hurts and experiences joy and, you know, thrill and all of that, uh, and, 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 and we're all the same. And so it's like when I go and watch your class, Laura, I step in and pass through the room, and I, and I watch 30 people, mostly women, um, but, but that's neither here nor there, but 30 people moving with a kind of trust in you as their improvisational leader, and then moving to music that's so carefully chosen so it, so it resonates with them, and then just the sort of spirit of it, it's very it can be very uplifting and not just a body and a voice. It can be much more holistic and, and, and bigger. And yeah, and part of it is just, the, is just this idea that we all share that, you know. And, and we're, mm-hmm. Ashley and I are professional dancers. I mean, that's, that's what we do. But you don't have to be a professional dancer in order to absolutely feel exactly the same joy and risk and reward as, as, as we do. You know, and that comes through, and I think that's what's so unique, Jamie. Because, good Lord, I've seen so much fabulous dance in my life, but I don't always feel what I'm ex- trying to explain when I see Body Vox perform. It it brings everyone into a, an understanding that we are all in this together, and that with yeah. that we are sharing through your innovation 
an understanding of ourselves differently than we had before one of your shows. And that that also brings me to the fact that you guys really do incorporate, you know, what I love is your sets are, are usually not very complicated. You don't use them as distraction. They add a great element to performance, but you also work with video and and moving parts that come through film. And and I was noting with this new show that's opening next Thursday, the 30th of November, I cannot wait. This new show is called Lexicon, and it sounds like it's about joining together the idea of sound, light, and motion. Tell us a little bit about that. Ash? No, go ahead, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're stumped, Laura. We haven't seen it, so we don't know what it is. But the the idea behind it is to use video graphics, motion. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, it, that's the sort of physical idea. But but what what we were, you know, we're restless, and so when we have to think a year in advance what we're going to do next year we go well what what are we going to what's there to work with what's there to play with and and we've we've engaged technology throughout our careers and sometimes it's complex and sometimes it's very simple and 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 one thing that it always is is, is it's always surprising and so hmm. we i think we wanted to dig into this uh kind of world to this interface to to see what we would create and how it would make us you know not only make something visually different but physically different as well so so i think we're moving differently in this in this piece the the movement is very full it's very fully developed and full and rich and elastic and big and and uh it, there's still a lot of detail in it and and because we're we're both virgos so we're into detail but there's a lot of, uh, it, I don't know, it feels, to me, the show feels quite holistic, yeah. Mm. Take us through, as a listener, what it is like to be in a creative director uh, position, both of you, and when you come up with a concept or you create a new show, and you're married and you're living together and you're raising a family, is this something that is discussed at the breakfast table, or do you uh, keep spots in your day to make, you know, to, to talk creative, to go there, or is it always synonymous with your lives together outside of the studio? There is no stopping and starting creative discussion. I think we're always in creative discussion, whether it's um, making breakfasts or, or being in our separate cars and speaking on the speakerphone or laying down at night and perhaps even waking up in the middle of the night. We're always creating. And it may be just the simplest things of what we're going to cook for a meal or, or what, what our next show is going to look like. But um, it just kind of is so natural. I don't think we can really shut it off. We, we might be in the middle of, making a show and it's incredibly dense but Ashley has four hours between you know one meeting and dropping a kid off and having to be somewhere else and so she'll go into her studio and make a sweater mm-hmm. and she'll come out and she'll and she'll she'll be wearing a new sweater and and, and I'll I'll go oh that's nice is that new and she goes yes I just made it and I I just it kind of it, it's it's insane because she can't stop being creative. If she if there's a vacuum of time, she'll go make something. Wow, yeah, <laughs> I think that's so cool because when you really do live a creative life and you make that commitment, it starts to become this infinite process. Whether it's seeing everything as an artist or feeling it or making it in the kitchen or making it to put on your body. It's, it's, it's an infinite, beautiful way to go. What I want to know infinite is, you is guys, a great word. I, I think infinite is a great word to use there because I do think creativity is infinite. Did you always know that or do you only feel that now? Um, did I always know that, that creativity is infinite? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think I did, but it is more clear to me 
every day because I, I feel that the creativity is absolutely something that comes through you and not something that is generated from you. So the, you're, you're drawing from the infinite well of artistic wisdom. How would you, I'm curious if your artistic wisdom, because you guys are going on over 35 years together creatively. So let, let's do go back for a moment into the creative vortex and say, you know, going back into the 80s when you all began your creative lives in the public eye, can you remember seeing each other's physical expression and dance and thinking, oh, I really like the way he or she is expressing themselves creatively through the form of dance. Yeah. What do you think, Tim? Well, we, we did have, I I think we had uh, instant impressions of each other, but they were not simultaneous. And, um, the the and the, probably the reason for that is i'm i'm l- literally almost exactly 10 years older than ashley and the first time that she ever saw me she was on a field trip from school with a group and they came to the rehearsal studio of palabolas and i think were you 14 ash no <laughs> how old were you 18 i, I don't know that, how old were you i mean, I was 17. <laughs> 17. I don't know. She was 17 and she came to the studio and we were building this piece for the, the uh, it was called Day 2 and it was for the Olympics. And she watched us in, in rehearsal uh, making that piece. And um, I, she, she tells me that, you know, she had a, she looked at me and thought, oh, that guy, that guy has energy, you know. I mean, she'll probably clear that up a little more, but, you know. Yeah, this is the part of the story where I interrupt you. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, actually, um, the very first time I saw Jamie was at the Stratford Theater in Connecticut, and I was 17. I was a senior in high school, and I went to see Palabolas. And Palabolas ended their evening with a performance called... Um, Untitled. It was a beautiful piece where these women in Victorian dresses would raise up from the ground and dangling out from their long skirts were these hairy men's legs. And you realize quickly that there were men underneath there carrying these women around. And eventually the, the men emerged from these Victorian dresses and they were entirely nude. This is Feel Naked Radio, so I feel it's appropriate <laughs> to talk about it. Yeah. So oh, they yeah. were entirely nude. Um, the piece, the show, Palabla's spirit, everything about it touched me so deeply. And I, I, I knew when I saw Jamie, and it was his spirit and his energy, uh, I knew in some way I, I knew him. Well, I said the word knew too much, but it was like looking at someone I had been with before. And I was so drawn to him that when I did subsequently come to the rehearsal studio, I was completely transfixed by him. I couldn't believe his movement. He made me laugh. He was delightful. And that feeling that uh, maybe you're talking about, for me, it's like infatuation. It was love. It was an absolute love. And when we started choreographing together, it wasn't that sense of drawing from the great wisdom pool of inspiration. It was more about just being in love. And being in love whether we were a relation, a couple, romantic couple or not, it was loving the energy we shared with each other, and it just brought out the greatest creative spontaneity. Mm. I could start crying because what I realize when you're saying that, Ashley, is that's what you share with the world through this place and these performances and being able to offer classes to people your center body box in portland is that place where that beginning that love that spiritual connection and that physical understanding is felt i know that's why it's such a holy experience to go to a a class at body box or to go into a performance and watch in the bleachers you cannot believe the feeling that makes sense to me that the seed of that feeling is what you're describing. 
Yeah, thank you. I, of course, I thought of like body box is better than Tinder for meeting people. <laughs> after that. But no, no, we won't go there. <laughs> so, uh, when you're 17 and you're in that theater and you see that hairy leg under that Victorian outfit, now take mm-hmm. the listeners through, when are you now in a, a studio creating choreography and coming together in that practice of performing and dancing together? Say that again? What's the question? When, t- take us from 17, where you're in the theater, oh, okay. you, note, you notice yeah. and you feel Jamie. Now you're saying that mm-hmm. when you all started to choreograph and create together, there was this unbelievable mutuality that was understood. W- what, what timeline is that? Now how old are you when you're doing that? Uh-huh. Uh, well, it still feels so fresh and new. I, I never feel like it's laborious when we create together. And often when we just start talking about making a piece or maybe we are in the beginning stages of making a piece, one of us will suggest something. And I get a chill if I sense that it's something magical. And we often use the word magical. And Jamie will start to cheer up. And both of us know when we have that physical manifestation, when we talk about our creativity, we know we're onto something really, really pure and magical. And so I, I don't feel that it's, it's any different than it was years and years and years ago. It's still so magical and fresh. I don't I think, think it, we've... I, I think it's so, it's, it's, if anything, it has become much more deeply informed and and open because we've well, I, I guess we've opened that valve so many times that it's just constantly open like you know you were saying well is there any separation and there really isn't um, I think we we don't ever slow down you know we're, we don't have to go from zero to sixty it's just sort of always at sixty and and uh, and you know, when we first started making works together, I mean, you could look back at them, and there are there are pieces that are just. You look at them now, and you go, "It's just. It was just such, such sheer inspiration. We it couldn't have been us that was doing it. It, it we it was so beyond what we could have even." conceptualized. I mean, it's not like you would open a pad of paper and be able to start thinking about it. Just this stuff was just coming through us and, and then encouraging each other to, to, to not be, to not be closed off. I, I was once doing a piece for, on a company and I choreographed, I don't know, like three or four minutes of something. And I looked at it and it just happened really fast. And I looked at it and I said, to my, in my little brain, I said, gosh, that's really good. That looks really good. I'm really on to something. And immediately I lost the ability to keep doing it because I had suddenly claimed it. Mm-hmm. And it was so clear to me. It was just so like a switch, just almost a physical switch. And I went out there and I was trying to do it and I couldn't do it. It was just like two minutes later. And I looked at that state, that studio full of people and I went you idiot the, the reason you can't do it is because you just decided you were the one that was actually doing it <laughs> and that doesn't work and I said so shut up you know shut yeah. shut that voice off in your head and I said okay it ain't you yeah. you're, you're nothing without whatever that is and then it came back and I literally I could turn it on and off and on and off just like a switch because that, whatever that spirit is, it does not coexist with you and your ego and your trip. It just doesn't. And I think now, all these years later, I mean, we're human, so we're flawed, deeply flawed like all of humanity, but so we can, we can still slip into that. But we, so, we just know that it's just not, that's not where the good work comes from. Where the good work comes from is to realize that it is limitless and that it is not about us. So we don't make our pieces about us. You know, we, we're deeply engaged in them. And, and really, I mean, they really, 
come through us, and so we're 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 pulled into the the magic of that piece because it's coming by. We grab the edge of that that the handle on that train car and grab on and with all our might and go flying down the track with it. <laughs> but as soon as we think we're driving the train, the train just disappears. It's like the Polar Express. It's gone. So you bring up ego, and I think that's such a great place to land for a minute because, you know, it strikes me that you guys have won an Emmy Award. You have um, choreographed shows for Issey Miyake. You've made music video. Um, you've you've worked with music video artists, U2 Sting, Simply Red, Pat Metheny, uh, David Bowie. So how, when you're in that kind of high-octane uh, creativity, are you still able at that point to keep the ego at bay or did you just figure out how to keep the ego working well with the spiritual element that you describe? Because those are high, heady, egoic accolades that are extraordinary. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, it's really wonderful about the individuals you mentioned that we have worked with. Most of them, and I think you would agree, Jamie, they are People have kind of figured it out, too. I can remember we, we choreographed, this is kind of funny, we choreographed David Bowie's Glass Spider Tour, which was like the closest thing to, I don't want to insult him, but it was like a Spinal Tap show. It had this giant <laughs> glass spider, and it was really kind of funny. And over the Glam. Day, it was real glam rock. It was, it, was, it was hilarious. But, you know, we got to work with David, and he was such a nice guy, and he wanted to dance. He wanted us to physically move him around. And so we did a lot of things where we were just in the studio with him and his sweats and throwing him around. And then lunch would come, and they would bring us a brown bag lunch, the dancers and the choreographers, and we'd sit on the floor and we'd eat our lunch, and David would sit on the floor with us. And then he would turn around and comb his hair and put a hairspray in it, but he was still really a nice guy. And at one point, I remember him saying, um, sorry, that's my pug snoring, and I hope that's not coming through. Anyway, um, he, he said to us one time, uh, it, the subject of fame actually came up, fame in the sense, not the song, but of, of the life of a rock star. And he said, you know, it got really bad for him at one point. Um, and he realized he had to make a change. And his change, he said, was to get rid of the limo. You just have to be with, you have to be on the same planet with the, the people who think your artistry is fantastic. You know, you can't kind of worship yourself. It doesn't really work. And I just thought that was a beautiful metaphor. Get rid of the limo. Mm-hmm. What would, you, Jamie, when you look back at some of those accolades and you remember that moment in time, what is it like in re, in reflection versus being in it in actual time? What do you feel when you look back on the David Bowie memories? Well, what I remember from working with him were the jokes that we shared. <laughs> I, I never, I never thought of him as, you, you know, a superstar. That's not that's not the the way he carried himself in the studio. We were just in the back of the class, and the the other the sort of director of the show would teach the class, and David and I were in the back row because he didn't want to be in the front row because it was filled with all these really top flight dancers that were dancing in the show. And so they were all in the front row and David and I were in the back row. And then David and I would start making jokes and it would disrupt the class. And so I would always get in trouble because Tony wasn't going to get mad at David and say, David, stop it. You're stopping the class. So I was the guy that always got in trouble. And then, <laughs> David would look over at me and he's like snicker going, I got you in trouble. We were like two, you know, unruly high school kids at boarding school in England or something. It was, it was so funny. And then one time we were, we were doing a move where the women were on, were on top of the guy's heads. The guys are standing up and the women are literally, their legs are over their shoulders, but they're inverted. So they're, Face, their tummies are in the face of the guys, and the guys are walking around, and they and they, 
they look like the women look like they're these giant hats on top of the heads of guys. And guys are walking along, and David looks over at me and goes, "Oh my God! It looks they look like Carl Malden's nose." <laughs> and I I just looked at it, and I never was able to look at that move again without seeing Carl Malden. It, it, it was just endlessly like that, Laura. It was endlessly like that. And and then I remember going to the show and going backstage because you know he came to. L.A., and we went down to L.A., and we went to see the show, you know. Yeah, you can go backstage, say hi to Dave, and I kept trying to get in and say hi to him just to say hi, and he couldn't because he had to get his hair and his costume and blah, 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 and finally I see him in the hallway, and he's walking towards the stage, and, and he looks at me, and he goes, love to spend some time, can't, that's showbiz, and I look at him, and he's passing by, and I look, and I go, that's showbiz, and that's literally the last thing I ever said to him. You know, last wow. time I ever saw him in, wow. in, in the flesh. That's showbiz. And wow. I just thought that was so amazing because he wasn't, I mean, he was the most successful rock star ever. You don't get more successful. You just get different. But it was business. But for him, it wasn't. It was his life, you know. But it was so funny. It was that showbiz. Mm, He's a that's... funny, funny guy. It, that's you know I think of his final video when I go back into oh. that notion of creative wisdom, as oh I'm calling God. it today, and I think about the way he staged his death and his choreography, and I just salute and bow down to such innovation because, really, that's just a great way to go. You know, he, re- he released his album on Friday and died on Sunday. I mean, wow, man! So you don't, you know, yeah, you bow down to that. You do, because I think that is living a creative life every single day, every single breath, every single opportunity, dark karmic or not, or light karmic or not. You live it and you creatively process through that filter, which is such a gift. Yeah. What were you going to say, Ash, about that? Oh, no, I agree with that. And I would say, um, you know, of the other artists that we worked with, Issey Miyake is a great designer from Japan, again, an absolute artist and a beautiful spirit and not an egomaniac. You know, the, the difference is there's um, a humble um, uh, confidence that these people have that is able to propel them into their particular stardom. Um, we work a lot, well, I shouldn't say we work with, but we're very, and um, we're very good friends with Edge from U2, and he is the, the sweetest most humble person, and you look at the amount of creativity and beauty he's brought into the world through his artistry, it's phenomenal. And, he, and yet he's so approachable. He's a family man. He's a lovely being. Um, you know, so it is this, this balance of having this humble confidence and, again, sort of, um, you know, keeping the ego at bay so that the beauty can come through. Yeah. Definitely. And the heart is such a trusted guide. And the only way to keep it really fluid, I think, is to to make sure the ego is not usurping the space within. So the heart heart can find its way. I I wanted to ask about Portland, Oregon, because you guys started your life here creatively. Is it correct? 1997? Yeah, I think so. 96, 95, we moved. In 97, we kind of finally found found a voice here and and a and uh yes i think 97 was sort of the the, the genesis of of kind of what we're doing now yeah i mean so 20th anniversary here we go new season um but but talk a little bit if you would for the listeners cuz portland is on the map everybody now knows portland oregon destination and you guys began to me you're the reason i know the dance world of portland back in in the 90s so you made the definition of to me dancing portland what that means in this city versus new york where i came from so what do you feel about portland as a creative venue and a place and and you've got the most beautiful center imaginable how do you feel about the creative pulse of Portland at this time? You know, the irony is our last company, we were based out of New York. <laughs> and our, our our company prior to BodyVox was called ISO, which stood for I'm So Optimistic. <laughs> so I think when we, um, <laughs> when we left New York, we realized um, that Portland was the absolute opposite as far as um, 
resource and livability and um, the quality of life you could have uh, as far as the standard of living versus New York. And it became just such a fabulous, fertile ground for us. Do you want to expand on that, Jane? Yeah, I think when we came back here, it was a, it was risky. Um, it wasn't a happening place uh, the way it is now. It, it was just the the bow was drawn, but the the arrow had not been released. And and we came back here, and within a few years, you know, uh, Chris Coleman arrived for, from the theater. Uh, Tom Manley from PNCA. Uh, we started Body Vox. Um, Chris, Chris Mataliano. Chris Mataliano, which, I mean, that's a beautiful story for us. We, you know, there wouldn't be a Body Vox if we hadn't done Carmina Burana for the Portland Opera. So all, this that was the front of the way. But when we came here, it was sort of like, are we exiling ourselves or are we going to open up a new thing? So the latter kind of bore out and uh, I think Portland now to me, I mean, it feels like a city that everyone is paying attention and everyone is doing exactly what they want to do. I've never been in a city that seemed like it, it was so full of people just fully self-actualized. So many people, I mean, you know, I can't just say everybody, but, but there's such a sense of, of optimism and uh, an opportunity that you could really come here. And if you had a vision, you could make it happen. And I, and it's not, it's not necessarily preoccupied with money. Like I felt like New York was preoccupied with money. Even the art scene was preoccupied with money, you know? Yeah. What are the gallery sales? Uh, What's your budget for your dance company? Can you not get money? And therefore you can't have a dance company. It's sort of like, here, or you have serial entrepreneurs here that just, they do something because they want to do it, and maybe they make a lot of money, maybe they don't. I don't know why I'm even talking about money, but except that it's a bit of a river that you've got to float in. All of us have to float in, but it just seems to me, I don't know, it seems to me like every night you go to sleep and Portland transforms itself into something else. And the next day you wake up and you go, oh, I didn't know that was there. Look at that building. Look at that paint job. Look at, look at that new restaurant. Here's yeah. another disruptive business that's upending the, the, the car market. Or, you know, it's crazy. And, it, and I, I think the arts are, the arts are exquisite yeah. here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what's so cool is that when you, you know, are saying it's your 20th season and you see the development and the creative growth of Portland, we've always been creative beings in Portland, but now it is truly oozing yeah. with creativity and you hold a space for it that is the most interesting space to be creative. So I wanted to hear a little bit about what you guys are envisioning about this season. Talk to us about what it means to be putting together the 20th season. What what are you feeling and, and seeing in that? Go ahead, Jane. Well, I think I think we started <laughs> it's off a deep with subject. A, yeah, deep subject. <laughs> I think starting it off with this this <laughs> show is is pretty uh, brave because we're we're doing a lot of things that we haven't done before, and we're not. You don't know if it's going to work, but you you know after twenty years you don't. You're not preoccupied with will it work or will it not. You kind of, that becomes, I mean, we have done so many shows that we really thought, oh, my God, this this will never work. And I'm not claiming anything, but pretty much it usually does. And so at this point, I believe we we can stop worrying and more committing. So there are ever-increasing levels of commitment that you can make that if you don't see the answer immediately, then you're going to wander around in the dark till you find the keyhole and you're going to put the key in it. And, and I mean... I think I wander around feeling differently than you do, Jamie. 
I don't feel that way. I, yeah. I, I always feel like I, I know that we always put ourselves in a situation where it has to get done. Yeah. But I think we've done it so many times now. My general feeling is I know it's going to happen and I know it's going to be awesome. I really believe that. I just, I just know we have to suffer till we get there. <laughs> there. I think you said exactly what I meant, but you said it yeah. better. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's, it's, we still suffer. And, and if we didn't, <laughs> there would be a real problem. It would, like I talked about before, it would go away. (laughs) You you have to suffer. No, there's, yeah, there's definitely, you know, a a hill you're climbing. And it's funny because I say this to my son right now, who's our son, who's applying to colleges, you know, and he's got all this work to do. Well, at the same time he's applying to colleges, we also have to put the show on stage. And I keep saying to him, you know, you just have to take little steps, little steps. It's a big, big, tall mountain, but little steps, little steps. And before you know it, you're, you know, you're up at the third or fourth pitch and you're looking back down going, wow. Okay, we're we're getting there. We're almost there. So that's a yeah, great takeaway. I, I love that idea about just one step at a time or Anne Lamott calls it bird by bird. And I love that idea that it's just bird by bird, bird by bird, you know, huh. do, do the next mm-hmm. right thing, do the next thing. And it's just one little step at a time. Yeah. And what I wanted to read is mm-hmm. the, the artistic vision in this 2017-18 season program from BodyVox. I loved this. It said, our artistic vision is based on a strong sense of human connection, the conviction that art exists to bring people together, and that dance is a powerful, inclusive language that bridges cultural differences and generations. So I, I want to talk about that because, see, this is where I feel there is just tremendous opportunity in the world today for this idea of connection. I think the human connection has never been more needed yeah. or more appreciated or more deeply sought out. And when, when I read that in your booklet, I thought that is brilliant because that is what we are now seeking at a different level, I think. What, what would you say about that human connection that you bring with this new season? Ash. Uh, Shame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's hard to put it into words. I, I feel um, BodyVox is a team of people, and this team of people has gotten together with this goal of putting out a beautiful piece of art. And the fact that it's not just one single voice or one single vision or I, you know, putting together a, a gallery show or something, that it's all these people and energies coming together with a common purpose, that the, the energy and the positivity that comes through the experience is really delicious and it's really fun. And I think that uh, our, our performers genuinely feel a great sense of fulfillment when they finish making a show with us and when they actually go out and perform it. Yeah, that's cool. That's so cool to think about from their perspective. I also, when you read that, I I remember when we crafted that, when we wrote that. And the reason we wrote it is because it's really hard to say that. It's really hard to talk about that. Um, you know, it sounds sort of highfalutin in a way, but when you read it, it I, I guess I stand by it. It sounds really, really true. I, I, You know, a lot of artists make their work because they say, I'm just really interested in telling my story and, and how I see the world and what I'm going through. And I, I understand the validity of... of Telling of processing your life's journey through your work, but I never really thought that my life's journey was that interesting. That it would warrant, you know, public examination. I, just I think really... we're just different. It's just a different. It's it's just a different path that we've taken. Yeah. I think and so what happens is that's why a lot. Your wife that's... is fabulous. <laughs> My, my wife is. My wife is fabulous. I, said, yes, I know. Yeah, I know. I said, I think your life's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, I heard wife. <laughs> That's what I said. Oh, you did. Okay, great. okay you're going to make me repeat myself. It's not funny. <laughs> no, it's not. 
<laughs> that was not funny. No, but I think that's why our shows, they, 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 they're never the same. You know, people say, oh, God, I've seen that, that choreographer. It's another piece, and, and all their work looks the same. Ours never looks the same because we're not telling the same. We're not talking about ourselves, you know. We're, we're, we're not. We're, we're, we're making observations on the world, and sometimes those observations are little stories that we're telling, and they're, and they're, they're kind of universal tales, you know, which we can all share in. And I guess that's why people connect with it, because they, they see themselves in our escapades. Um, or, and, or, the, or, the, or conversely, we create a certain amount of escapement. And I, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we use a lot of film in our shows. We make these short films, and they do a, a couple of different things for our evening. They allow for our dancers to get a break because we glue our evening together very tightly. We don't take bows between the pieces. So the dancers get a little break, but the audience also gets a little break from having to be present and and looking at something in the room. They get to go out of the room with these movies and these little stories. So I think that our evenings and our artwork creates a certain amount of levity and escapement um, Mm. through expression of joy and beauty and frivolity. Boy, that's such a good point. I hadn't thought about that because you're right. There's a pacing in your shows where you do feel almost a gentle guide that takes you visually through the art that's in the studio, um, then the performance that's the dancing, and then the video, and then the film. I mean, it's, there is a pacing that's actually very uh-huh. gen- gentle, but it, it, it very methodically, I think, takes a, a viewer inside of themselves, and that must be the same concept of being present, you know, but the way you pace it, I can go inside of myself from one of your videos or films that's beside a dance that takes me somewhere else, but both are taking me into me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very intentional. All of that is very intentional. Yeah, so that's human connection. That's what I would say, that that yeah. is that human connection that is so yeah. profound. Um, what it, what and is our, the last... our evenings tend to be designed in a theatrical arc as well, which I, I'm, I'm very, um, I, that inspires me, and I think it inspires you too, Jamie. We, yeah. we don't want our, our audience to just come and say, look at this, and now look at this, and, you know, there's no connection. We, we tend to start our evenings and then, build an arc to intermission, have a little rest, and then build a climax and then a final moment um, so that it's like reading a great novel. You get to go through all these different experiences and see all these different characters and little storylines, and then ultimately you end up with this delicious ending. Mm. Oh, that's exactly how it feels as someone in the audience for all the different shows, and they are vastly different. But yes, there is a gentle beautiful guide that is the arch and then the experience becomes a full whole. I, I wanted to ask each of you to tell me the last thing that inspired you in any sense of the word. What's the last thing that you remember that felt like inspiring, inspiration, something personal or not? Huh. <laughs> We're both like, huh. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, it sounds really, to, to, to me, I, I, it sounds sort of silly to even say it, but when you're, when you're in the midst of making a show, then you want, you look for moments within the creation of that show that, that make you tear up or make you, you know, your skin crawl in a good way. And we're working on several pieces simultaneously and there are several times during every rehearsal when I will watch what the people are doing 10 feet away from me, from us, but I'm just, I guess I'm speaking personally and it is exceedingly moving. You go, I cannot believe how beautiful this is. Because they're humans doing the most exquisite thing, and they're just working their asses off. You know, they're sweaty, and they're running it several times, and and some of them are sick, and someone's got a taped-up knee, and da-da-da-da-da. But they throw themselves into it with such a sense of commitment because they want it to be great, and they want it to be great for them and great 
because of, in spite of, in addition to them. So I find it incredibly inspiring. And I also find it sort of like, geez, man, you know, make the most of this. So it's sort of a little... That happens. That that does happen throughout the rehearsal process. You always get these glimpses or they like the, you know, people say the light bulb goes off. It's like a little ding or a little picture comes into your mind and it's inspiration. And, but outside of the, the dance studio, I was at uh, Trader Joe's yesterday and they have gluten-free um, fettuccine now. And I saw that and I was like, wow, I'm going to make beef stroganoff. <laughs> and Jamie turns to me and he goes, why? I, go, I don't know. And that was my most recent <laughs> bolt of inspiration. <laughs> gluten-free so beef stroganoff. There you stroganoff. go. There you go. Beef you stroganoff. <laughs> Is that what's on the menu for tonight? Because I'm wondering. Yeah, that's the naked yeah. truth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the show the show is going to air on um, your opening day, which opening on the thirtieth of November, the same time we're going to air it. But for anyone listening, tickets are going fast, and 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 they may be sold out before the end of this run. But go to the website. The website is bodyvox b o d y v as in victor o x dot com and it's really worth it if you're not in portland to consider a trip to portland where you can include bodyvox on your schedule is one of the great reasons to come here um but i want to say to both of you mayard because tonight when this airs is the opening and just to say Thank that you. you bring you know you guys are really important in in the creative world that i live in and i just want to thank you both for being at home in your own skin, which then allows me <laughs> to have... It's like, well, can we, can we put our clothes back on now? <laughs> you feel <laughs> naked, I know. <laughs> okay. I forgot to tell everybody we're all naked. I totally left That's that right. out. Thank you, Ash. <laughs> well, you know, we have to feel good. They are, too. No one wears clothes when they listen to this show. <laughs> 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 that is so good. Thank you both. I love you both. And and remember, everyone listening, that you complete you, and we're here for you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Laura. I love you too. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Right. 